How's everybody doing this morning? Oh, y'all look so good. What did they say? They say I look good too? Or am I hearing things? They can't see. Well, we were going to have a special guest speaker here this morning, but... It's so good to see everybody here today. Uh, I, I was thinking last Sunday uh, when Pastor Jeremy and Santa some of the things that he was saying, and I thought, "You're setting them. You're really setting them up because they're going to think you resigned today and next Sunday. I know that you're not going to be gone." <clears throat> I was kidding. He said, "I said that." I said, "Yeah." I, I said, "You didn't tell him you were going to have a special speaker and you wasn't going to be here," and. Uh, well, I thought it was funny and, uh, and everything, but I tell you what, we're so glad to have uh, Pastor Fred and Valerie with us this morning. I, I, I thought uh, last night as I was fixing to go to bed, I was, I was thinking, there is no excuse, there is no excuse and there is no substitute for maturity ministry and the house of God today. I know some calls... Uh, Calls him Pastor Fred, Pastor Fred Bennett. Uh, to me, with what is it, 300 uh, clergy leaving the ministry daily, it's pretty rough. I think it's very important that we understand the mature ministry has a lot to offer. I asked him this morning, I said, How long has it been since you? pastor he said 10 years and I said you know that's a credit to you and the ministry that God has given you because these kind of ministries brings an integrity to the house of God that God has got men and women who has got an integrity in the ministry I mean anytime outside of being a politician Preachers are the number number one or number two with a target on their back. Being around it for all my life, I can tell you all kinds of horror stories of what people have tried to do to discredit the ministry. But I thank the Lord today for a couple like these two that God has preserved through the time. I'm not saying he's old or, or, or she's old, but... There, there is something about the maturity of ministry that I, I hold in high esteem because they have gone through things. They have gone through things that many that is in the churches haven't gone through yet or have gone through, and they need to know that there is hope in the things of God. And I so appreciate that. Anytime I can find ministry that's been in the ministry, even pastoring a church for five years, uh, the hardships, the difficulty, the pressure uh, is beyond imagination. My nephew one time, who was standing with me last night, he come to me when he was about 11 years old. And he said, Uncle Prince, what do you do? And I said, Robert, some of you know him by Rob, I said, uh, plan on the summer staying and, and being with me 
on a Thursday. He said, oh, I'd like that. I'd like to see what you do. I tell you, by noontime, with all the hospitals that we'd gone by and having him to answer the phone, I'll tell you what, he said, Uncle Prentice, I am wore out. And I said, do you understand a little bit of what I do? He said, I don't know how you do it. And I thought, hmm, I don't either sometimes. But we are so glad to have, uh, I think of him more as an apostle and a bishop than I do of a pastor because I know pastors that look to him for guidance and influence and sometimes when they get in trouble you just can't go to a normal a, a normal person in the church body you have to find someone that's weathered the storm so to speak that's what I count pastor I'm gonna call him Bishop Fred Bennett with he doesn't have his signet ring with him today I noticed and uh, but I am so grateful for him to be here today and being able to do a word from the Lord at the right time because he's in the right place. Amen. Let's make well, welcome. Amen. Appreciate that. Good morning, New Life. Yeah. I'm Fred Bennett. I'm a survivor. Thank you for all that uh, wonderful introduction, but uh, I'm just like you. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm still seeking to uh, find that way, that perfect way that is Christ, and to live it out to the praise of His glory. And uh, he, I had a tremendous help, not only the Holy Spirit, but He gave me my beautiful wife, uh, Valerie, who loves the Lord uh, devoutly and uh, we're into our 50th year together, and uh, so we're, we're calling this year hashtag go for gold, okay? Golden anniversary coming up this next summer, so we're excited about that. Uh, Pastor uh, Jeremy asked if I would uh, fill in for him this morning. Of course, you're aware of the uh, death in the family and they, uh, everything, the memorial service they're having today. And I understand that he was in a series, and he asked me to uh, continue that this morning. Uh, he's been talking with you about walking with God, resting in God, growing in God. Any of that sound familiar? Come on, nod your heads. Okay, that's good. You passed the test, all right? And I said, well, I'd like to talk this morning about talking with God. I believe that our lives in Christ are to be an ongoing conversation with the Lord our God. For that purpose, He's given us the Holy Spirit. So even when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede for us. This is how much God wants to have a life conversation with us. Not just an occasional prayer request that we fire off but an ongoing conversation, no matter where we are and what we are doing. You will remember that God walked and talked with Adam in the Garden of Eden. He walked with him, yes, but he also had this conversation with him. And we might read that and think, wow, what a special place that Adam had in God's kingdom. And yet, friends, we've got something better. 
we've got something better through faith in Jesus Christ. We're the sons and daughters of God, and we can rejoice in that. I remember that Jesus walked and talked with two of his disciples after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus. And he began to open up the scriptures to him. And that they didn't even realize who it was. Because, you know, if you've not seen someone resurrected, you might not recognize them either. And so here he was having this extended conversation with them. And then they asked him if he would stay the night and break bread with them. And that's what we're going to do today. Because when they sat down at the table and they broke bread with Jesus... The word says their eyes were opened and they realized it was the Lord that they'd been talking with all day. I tell you, my friends, an ongoing conversation with the Lord our God is better than talking to ourselves. In fact, some of us need to stop talking to ourselves so much and start talking with God more because we can talk ourselves into a bunch of nonsense. We, we can talk ourselves into unbelief and doubt. We can talk ourselves into fear and fatalism. We need to have this ongoing, life-giving conversation with the Lord our God. Let, let's not be like the children of Israel in the wilderness. You know, in the book of Exodus chapter 20, the Word tells us that when Moses went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, the children of Israel witnessed the thunderings the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And the word says they were very much afraid. And here's what they said. They said to Moses, Moses, you speak to us and we will hear. But don't let God speak to us lest we die. This is why Moses and the children of Israel are not an example for us in how best to communicate. Those of us who know the Lord, who are a privileged people, folks, those of us who know the Lord, who are born of His Spirit, who have been redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, we have this unique relationship where we can carry on a daily life-giving conversation with the Lord our God. You don't need me or Pastor Prentice or Pastor Lindsay or Pastor Jeremy or anyone else to speak to you for God. You can speak to God for yourselves. We all can. That's the glory of the new covenant that we're going to be celebrating at this table today. That's why the word says we have a better covenant. A better covenant that is established on better promises. You know, one example is Jesus Christ and, and, and how he prays and how he taught the apostles to pray. He taught them to pray and he gave them a, a very simple prayer, wouldn't you say? I mean, it's not real complicated. How many of you know the Lord's Prayer by heart? I mean, most of us probably do. You know why most of us know it by heart? It's so simple. It's fairly easy to remember. We've probably prayed it a thousand times or more in our lives. But it's a simple prayer. And that's why we need to pray this prayer. You know, our example is Jesus Christ and how he prays and how he taught the apostles, the twelve, but also how he taught 
Paul to pray. Listen to what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Imitate me just as I imitate Christ. And in that chapter, he goes on to talk about the traditions of the church. Important traditions. And the very first one he deals with is praying. Praying and prophesying. From there he goes into talking about the role of men and women in the church. And then he talks about the importance of the Lord's Supper that we're going to be celebrating today. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2 verses 1 to 5 tells how the Apostle Paul communicated all of this, all these traditions and everything else, how he communicated this to the Corinthian church, to other churches, to New Life Church, wherever his word is declared. He declared it very, very simply. He used simple talk. The Apostle Paul said, I don't come to you with excellence of speech or with human wisdom. And we shouldn't try to go to God that way. God's not impressed with our vocabulary. He's not impressed with our theology. He's not impressed with our sermon illustrations or our sermons. I, I, I hear more people say, let us pray, and then they preach a sermon. And I'm like, wait a minute, that's not praying. You know, let's have a conversation with the Lord our God. Paul kept it simple. Number two, the Apostle Paul communicated the traditions of the church, those things that were so vital to the life of the church. And that's what I love about churches like New Life. I love the fact that they give opportunity for us to greet one another. Uh, opportunities out here in the lobby where we have our donuts or the donut hole, whatever you're into, and the coffee and so forth to fellowship with one another, to, to have community. That's what we're, we've been given. That's the privilege that we have. That's something that we should value. It's simple. Church shouldn't be that complicated, folks. Living to the glory of God is not that complicated. We can use simple talk. We can preach a simple gospel. Here was Paul's gospel, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, friends, that really gets it down to the essence right there. But isn't that how God works? You know, Jesus was able to take all of the law and all of the prophets and boil it down to two sayings. What did he say? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. And you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said on this, all the prophets and all the... Talk about making it simple. You know, we live in a day where it seems like people are trying to make things more complicated. Well, that's contrary to the gospel message. That's contrary to the example that we've been giving, what we should be imitating in the earth today. Listen to what Paul said in Galatians 2. I died to the law that I might live to Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in me. And the life that I now live according to the flesh, I live by faith faith in the Son of God who loved me, loved me first by the way, and gave himself for me. That my friends is the essence of what it means to be a believer, to be a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. So there's simple talk, there's a simple gospel, 
there is a simple presence. Isn't it wonderful that we can sing these great songs? I, I love the song that, it was like a ballad that we were singing this morning, talking about the, I, I hear, what was it, the sound of thunder? And it's like a, a train on the edge of town. Well, three times this morning at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, and 6 o'clock, we heard the train coming into Memphis. And I, I was thinking about that, that, that sound of it and, and how strong it is and how it can even wake you up. There is a simple presence that is the presence of God. The Apostle Paul said, I come to you in weakness, I come to you in fear, and I come to you with much trembling. I don't come to posture. I, I don't come to lord it over you. I don't come to promote myself. I'm, I'm no different from any of the rest of you. We all wrestle with the same things, maybe at diff to different degrees, but we've all, we're all facing our challenges. And Paul said, we need to understand that God's presence is a simple presence. One that we can enjoy when we lift our voices like we were doing to those beautiful songs this morning. And we join our voices together. We can sense the presence of God. And then there's a simple faith. Paul said, I have come to you in demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. I haven't come to impress you with my systematic theology or, or arguments uh, out here in the world or issues of the world and bring them in here to the people of God. No, it's a simple faith. Now, by simple, I don't mean stupid, okay? I mean simple, uncomplicated, plain, understandable, able to hear it, take loves me heart and to walk it out. Understand, my God loves me. He wants to have a conversation with me. Valerie and I have been together for a long, long time now. We still like to talk to each other. I hope you do. I hope you do. You'll never make 50 if you don't. But it's amazing how often the conversation can shut down in people's lives. We, we feel like, well, I've heard it all. I've said it all. I haven't got anything else to say. God always has something more to say. God always has something more that he wants to talk with us about. Basic communication with our Heavenly Father is this way. We talk with our Father God in the name of Jesus because it's through faith in him that we were connected to our Father. Praise God. We, we, we pray simple prayers without pretense. We were in a, a dinner recently in a church and uh, a, a minister got up to pray and he started out pretty good. And, and then he goes off into poetry and he went off into three points of a sermon and all, all these other things. And I thought, well, this is getting complicated. This doesn't sound like a conversation. This doesn't sound like a give and take. This sounds like somebody lecturing at us just using the guise of prayer. We need to keep it simple. Our talking with God, our praying, should be like a child talking sincerely with a loving father. Have you noticed children will just say anything? One of our five-year-olds, Micah, he came to his mother, uh, I think it was yesterday, and he said, Mama, or Mommy, whichever it is that he uses, is Daddy 100 years old? 
And she looked at him and said, no, he's only 43. He said, well, that's almost 100, isn't it? You know, I mean, in his mind, that seemed like his daddy was the ancient of days. And I can't wait to follow up on that with my son. But nevertheless, you know, that, that's the way children are. They speak sincerely. They'll talk about anything, anything they have a question about. You see, this is how we're to come to our Father God, with a humble spirit and a contrite heart. Because it's people who come that way that God revives. He revives the humble in spirit and the contrite in heart. And yet at the same time, we're told in the word, we're to come boldly in faith to his throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What a precious thing. A precious thing that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. We can make our requests known to God, but we can also have this conversation with the creator of the universe. You know, again, when the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, he gave them a very simple example. He said, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm shortening it even more, but it's the same prayer. Give us bread. Give us sustenance for the day. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Give us sustenance for the day. Forgive us as we forgive others. Again, that's basic, isn't it? And then finally, and don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That's a simple prayer, but it's the one Jesus gave to those who would be the apostles of his church. And it's something that I think we really need to take a heart to heart afresh. And that is, am I really being open? Am I really being candid with God? Am I speaking from my heart to my loving Heavenly Father? Or am I filtering everything through my theology or my experience or my problems and issues or the pop psychology of the world? What is it? God wants us to be open. You know what he's really listening for? He's listening for the cry of a child's heart calling out to a loving father. That's what he wants from us. So I want to exhort you this morning. The next time that you pray, even as you're sitting here this morning, if you kind of tune me out for a few moments, I do that with some speakers too, <laughs> tune me out for a few moments, why don't you go on and just have a simple conversation with your heavenly Father? One that really comes out of, did you know you can express your fears to God and he's not going to beat you down over it? He's not going to condemn you? You can even express your doubts. You can even ask questions. I don't get it, God. Folks, I've been in this for a long time. There are many times when I don't get it. <laughs> I have to talk to God. I have to pray. And even then, sometimes I don't get it. But I don't forsake the one who loves me, the one who gave his only begotten son for me so that I would not perish but have eternal life. 
Listen to Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7. Ask and it will be given to you. Is that simple? Now, I've heard people preach that some of this passage right here, and they want to qualify everything. Like, you know, well, he didn't really mean that. Yes, he did. <laughs> he really did. He said, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, what? Receives. Oh, but, you know, I don't know that we... Childlike faith, keep it simple. This is how we're to pray. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. That's how little children think. We're to have that childlike faith. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Remember that simple prayer? Give us this day our daily bread. That's not when heaven starts to rain rocks, okay? That's not how our heavenly Father is. Or if we ask for a fish, will he give us a serpent? No. But if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give things to those who ask him? Folks, we don't need to qualify this. We don't need to try to explain it away. We don't need to get into all the nuances of what that meant in the Greek and maybe in the Hebrew and so forth. Take it simply. This is a simple gospel. This is a simple call to have a conversation with a father who loves you and is able to love you with a, an incredible capacity for love. Here is a vision of us coming to God as little children, asking for everything and anything. And like little children, what else do they do? They ask repeatedly. How many of you have noticed that? Just because they asked once is not the end of it. It's going to come back again and again. And, and, and again also happens to be one of their favorite words, okay? They ask repeatedly, ask without guile without qualification whatever is on our minds whatever is in our hearts again and again we can ask for small things like sustenance for the day we can ask for personal things like forgiveness deliverance we can ask for big things like the kingdom of God and his will and purpose coming on the earth in Luke 11 verse number 13 Something is added here to this text in Matthew. It's this. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Now folks, that's a big deal right there. That's a really big deal to have the Helper abiding in us. The Father wants you to have that. You, to ask, Lord, give me the Holy Spirit. I, I need the enabler. I need my helper. I need the one to help me pray. That's why the Holy Spirit comes. He's given to us to help us pray. Romans 8, 26. When we do not know what to pray. Anybody ever felt like that? Probably you've already felt that way sometime today. 
When, when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will make intercession for us according to the will of God. Here are some other things that we can ask for. James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. He gives it liberally and he gives it without reproach and it will be given to you. But ask and keep on asking. You're probably not going to get all the wisdom you need in one droplet, okay? Ask and keep on asking. Wisdom's important. The Holy Spirit is important. The wisdom of God and God gives generously. John 16, 23, Jesus says, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. See, now there's another one of those just kind of, on the surface it seems like, wait a minute. I mean, you're not qualifying that. You need to explain that a little bit more. No, I think that's the problem. We've over-explained things. We've explained the faith right out of the plain, simple gospel truth. And we need to get back to this simplicity of what it means to be truly devoted followers of our Lord Jesus Christ. Look what he says in verse 24 of uh, John 16. Until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be made full. Isn't that cool? God not only wants to give you what you're asking... But he wants your joy to be full. He wants us to be joyful. That, that's the kind of walk he wants for us. That's the kind of conversation that he really wants. He wants us to have that kind of confidence. Your children usually do, especially when they were little, they had that kind of confidence. You know, Paul tells us that simple prayer is a demonstration of the spirit and power of God so that our faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the Lord our God. Now, Jesus demonstrates simple prayer. Matthew 21, the disciples were marveling that as they walked alone, Jesus saw this fig tree. When he approached it and it had no fruit, he cursed it. Listen to what it says. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith, and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, oh, well, now there you go again. He doesn't really mean a mountain mountain. He, he means like a, a, maybe a mountain of salt or sugar or, or imagination. N no, let's get back to a day when we take God at his word. If God wants to be extravagant in the way he's talking, there must be a reason for that. He's trying to open us up to the simplicity of his kingdom and how we may walk in it and how we may talk in it to the glory of God. But if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And look at verse 22. And all things, say all things. Say it again. All things, whatever you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Friends, that's telling us to keep on asking. Ask for more, not less. 
I mean, don't children do this all the time? Our little five-year-old Micah, he and Daisy like for us to take them to Target on the day that they come and spend the night or stay with us or whatever. And uh, they love to go shopping at Target. They've got a dollar amount that they can spend. They love to walk. It takes forever, though. We've got to walk up and down every toy aisle in Target. I know them by heart. I know every toy that's on those shelves. And, and Micah's very, very thorough. He will quickly identify the thing he wants today that he's going to get for $10, okay? He quickly identifies that. But he doesn't stop there. Oh, no. On the next aisle, he'll say, Papa, Papa, look, look, I want this for my birthday. And I'll say, okay, okay, we'll, we'll remember. He said, no, 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 take a picture of it because he knows I've got my cell phone with it. He wants to make sure I don't forget. I'm not like God. I can forget, okay? Take a picture of it. Then we'll walk, walk, look, Papa, Papa, look, look, look at this. I want this for Christmas. Okay, I'll get you. Take a picture of it. I don't want you, you're old, I don't want you to forget, you know how you old people are, you're always forgetting my stuff, and he wants to be so sure of that, but you know, I go through that routine every, every week, it still makes me smile, I want you to know that our asking, our asking of God, it makes God smile, as much as your children can make you smile. Even when they're being persistent and repetitive and maybe even a little bit annoying from time to time, it still makes you smile. That's the love of God. That's something that we can treasure, praise the Lord. Because we love Him, He knows that we want to give Him good things. But how are we to believe? Well, believing like little children who trust in in the fact that their parents want to do them good. That's what believing's about. Believing's really about trusting God. He wants to do us good. He's a good heavenly father. He's the one that made all these promises that are yes and amen in Jesus' name. He wants to do us good. So we need to learn how to pray, to talk with God. Because talking with God is to enter into the world of a child where all things are possible to those who believe. Well, how do we do that? Well, actually, it started the moment we were born again. We were born again. We became as little children. We started anew. Because unless we're converted, according to Matthew 18, 3, and become as little children, we will by no means enter the kingdom of God. They might say, well, that, you now you're pushing this whole thing of childlike faith and everything to an extreme, and you need to qualify this. Because, you know, with little children, it's about fantasy, it's about make-believe, and it's about pretend. Yes, it is. We make ourselves believe. We imitate the Christ that we see in others. We pretend that's really who we are right now until by faith we come to that. It is true. That's a part of it. It's the world of faith. It's the kingdom of God, and I believe that's why so many of us as adults, 
Remember the little Peter Pan thing? What happened to Peter when he grew up? He forgot. Why did he forget? Because he didn't believe in those things anymore. They didn't fit his adult world, his adult mind, his adult perceptions. And yet this is the very thing that we're called to, to put our faith in God. You know, anybody ever hear or listen to that theme song on uh, Disneyland or Disney World or whatever they call it, Wide World of Disney they used to call it, that little theme song that they would play at the beginning. Remember, when you wish upon a star makes no difference who you are. Anything your heart desires will come to you. And it goes on. It has several verses. It goes on to say, no request is too extreme when you wish upon a star. You know, for little children, including the born-again child in us, things like Walt Disney World is like heaven on earth. It's, a, uh, it's like God's playground or something. But the difference between the kingdom of God and Disney World is crucial because also in the words of that song is an appeal to fate, F-A-T-E. In the gospel of the kingdom, it's not an appeal to fate. It's an appeal to faith. Faith in a heavenly father who loves us, who wants to talk with us, who wants to give good things to us if we will ask and persist and keep on asking because the just shall live by faith, not by fate. And frankly, friends, for many of you my age and even younger as adults, somewhere like Peter Pan, we stopped believing. We slipped out of faith over into fate. Well, you know, it rains on the good and the bad, and you get a, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, and I don't want to ask for anything. I don't want to be presumptuous. I don't want to over-ask. God won't think I'm humble. Guess what? You can't over-ask with God. Do you know that? You can't over-ask with God. This is the kind of God who loves and cares for us so very, very much. Our Daisy and Micah love to play Let's Pretend. Five minutes after they get together, one of them comes out with that phrase, Let's Pretend, and they go off into another world. And Valerie and I can observe it, but we're not to say anything. Because if we ask a question or we try to join in, we're quickly told, no, we weren't talking to you. <laughs> we're pretending over here. We're, in some, we're into something else. We want to be someplace else. And, and this is what this is about. They construct and create another reality. When we say something in prayer like, well, what if? <laughs> we're constructing a, in quote, make believe reality by faith God's looking for some people that can do more than just look at what is and say fatalistically well case sarah that's what's going to happen I stand here in the interstate long enough I'll be like one of those deer out there no 
That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for some people of faith who, yeah, we can see what is, but we can also see what is not that is the will of God. And we can believe for that, but we have to, can I say it again? I know I'm walking on thin ice with some of you. We have to make believe. We have to make ourselves believe that with God, all things are possible to those who believe. And all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus' name. It's believing in the unseen. It's believing in the spiritual. It's believing in the supernatural. That's what this is really about. I believe make-believe is what's missing in our secular world of reason and science and materialism. It's the kingdom, it's missing the kingdom of God coming on the earth, of heaven invading earth. And we're the ones who by asking and believing in prayer without any doubting, who are the transformers in our Father's world. Jesus taught his disciples about asking and prayer and believing. In Luke 18, verses 1 to 8, he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray. Say always. Always ought to pray and not lose heart. That means you keep on. You don't give up. You don't quit. You don't say, oh, well, that's my limit and that's enough. Well, you put the limit. God didn't. You made the limit there. That parable is about the persistent widow who kept coming before an unjust judge acting for justice. And finally, the parable says, he just got tired of listening to her and said, fine, you can have your justice. Just get out of my face. But thank God our Father's not like that. That's not, that's not what he's trying to do, get us out of his face. He's trying to grow us in the faith of his kingdom, in this childlike faith that believes all things are possible with God and for those who believe in the Lord our God. That's what he's looking for. He told the parable of a man who badgers a neighbor for three loaves of bread in the middle of the night. Can you imagine somebody beating on your door? I need bread. Bring me bread. <laughs> Neighbors won't give to him as a friend, but because of his persistence in asking. You see, to ask and believe as a child and to keep on asking with persistence, this is the expression of faith that God's looking for from us here on the earth. That's why he says people always ought to pray and not lose heart. Little Daisy and I, before we moved within the last couple of weeks and left our pool behind, uh, we were out in the pool for one of the last times at the house we've lived in for 18 years where all seven of our grandchildren have learned to swim. And um, we're sitting there on the edge of the pool and it started to get cloudy and the wind was blowing and trees were moving. It was starting to look like there was going to be a storm. And... Uh, Daisy said, oh, no, it's going to storm and we'll have to go in. I said, well, why don't you pray and ask God that it won't storm? And she said, no, God doesn't answer my prayers. She's five. <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, well, I'll pray with you, which, by the way, is what grandparents are for. 
okay, in case any of you hadn't figured it out yet, okay. And so uh, uh, she and I began to pray, very simple prayer, What anything long. I didn't get theological, meteorological, or anything else about it all. You, you know, what any of that. It wasn't even logical, if you want to know the truth of the matter. It was just simple faith asking on behalf of a child. Five seconds went by, and light broke through the clouds and was shining on her face. The look on her face was priceless. Something shifted in her. Oh, my. Fast forward one week. She and Micah are out at the pool. Same scenario. It starts to get cloudy and stormy. Only this time, I don't say anything. And Daisy looks at Mike and says, Micah, we need to pray. <laughs> he just stared at her. She launched into her simple little prayer. And what do you know? Childlike faith seems to get God's attention. That's what he's looking for. That's what he's looking for. Yesterday afternoon, we watched a performance of our oldest. I, I'm a grandfather, so I tell a lot of grandchild stories. You just have to bear with me. Maya's 16, 11th grade, 17 now, 17 in the 11th grade. Just started a new school, new Christian school she's attending. And they have a drama uh, club or whatever you call it. And uh, she made the team. And she was in, this was not her first play, but it the first one at this school, and uh, they were getting down to, they did, were doing a big production, I think what was The Little Mermaid, any of you ever see that, The Little Mermaid, and uh, I don't know how they did all that singing underwater, I thought it was fantastic, but, but uh, anyway, uh, the drama teacher was getting very frustrated, because there were a lot of the kids that had tried out that were talented, but they were stiff. I think the term she used was, you're too wooden. There, there's, it, it doesn't come across, you look like you're acting, okay? It doesn't look real. And finally, after watching them a little bit longer, she said, look at Maya. She says, what she's, do what she's doing. Now, this was the first time the drama teacher had even been around Maya. But you see, Maya had discovered something about herself. I remember when she was a little bitty girl, she would stand on the stage with the children's department for a production and never move or open her mouth. She'd just stand there and stare at the audience. And I remember thinking, I don't think she's called to acting. Uh, I mean, you know, I, I just don't see it. But see, my love falls well short of our father's love. And apparently it was something she wanted to do, even though she was petrified by it as a little girl. And she gave herself to it. And she kept asking and believing. And it's amazing. She took just a regular part and became the star of the play. Visitors were asking, who's that little girl up there? Well, she's not so little now. Because she was doing it. She was living it. Friends, God doesn't want our relationship with him to be wooden, to be stiff, to be some kind of formal. Yes, holy, 
but not this kind of legalistic formalism. That's not what he's looking for. He's looking for that childlike faith that's still in every one of us. That's what he wants to cultivate so that you and I can be what he created us to be. And who knows? Maybe someone else will see the Christ in us and begin to imitate what we're doing and step out of the learned into the life. The coming to the Lord's table wasn't a formal dinner, it wasn't black tie, very informal. In those days, they really didn't sit as much as they sort of lounged. And by the way, I know all the pictures tell you differently, but they didn't all sit on one side of the table either. That was just for the photograph. But, but <laughs> they're being in, very informal. And they're having a conversation. And in that conversation, Jesus interrupts a normal meal and says, this bread that you see before you is my body. It's broken for you. I want you to take this bread and I want you to see this cup. And this is what they probably did. And dip that bread, and I dropped the bread again. And dip that bread. And he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Now I ask you. If you were going to sum up the new covenant, how simple could you possibly make it? This is my body. This is my cup. Do this in remembrance of me. Because I love you. You're at my father's table. You're sons and daughters of the king. This is your meal. Feast on me. Be saved. Be healed. Be delivered. But maybe even beyond that, start talking with me. Start having a conversation with the one who sacrificed himself that we might have eternal life. Jesus' name.